you're listening to the Wellness Cucina Podcast, where I give you tips and tricks about getting your family involved in the kitchen and making delicious and nutritious meals with ease. I'm Celestina, a chef, registered dietitian nutritionist, and a lover of good food, especially pizza. Today, our topic is knives, knife cuts, and some ways to make dicing easier. So they don't have to be super expensive, but it could be valuable to make a small investment if you find yourself cooking at home more often than not. Honestly, investing in a good set of knives and getting comfortable using them rather than spending a ton of money on slicing and dicing kitchen gadgets that are challenging to clean and don't work well is going to be an awesome investment. Let's start out with the actual knife itself. Different components of the knives. The blade, obviously, is the long part with the cutting edge. The edge itself is going to be what you cut your product with, so the very sharp part. The tang is going to be the continuous piece of steel. So this you typically find on really good like German knives, and we'll talk about different kinds of knives in just a second. This is where the blade goes through the handle of the knife, and you can kind of see it go through the handle of the knife. That's indicative of a really strong knife. Another portion of the knife is going to be the bolster. So this is where most people have their fingers behind the bolster, but most chefs will have their hands holding the, the actual blade on the bolster. It's that little bulge between where the blade meets the handle of the knife. And the handle is obviously where you should hold the knife. So that's kind of knife anatomy basics. Let's get down to different types of knives. You really just need two good knives. So if you don't want to spend a ton of money, go out and buy yourself a really good chef knife and a really good paring knife, and then you'll be set. So in the culinary world, there are usually two different kinds of people, German chef knife people and Japanese chef knife people. Regardless of which country you choose, they both cut food really well. It kind of just comes down to personal preference, the weight of the knife, and how you like to hold it and how it feels, essentially. So in addition to the breakdown of different countries, there are different styles of knives, right? So Santoku is usually a flat-bottomed blade with like a flat edge, and it typically has little divots going up the, the length of the blade. This is going to be perfect for chopping, slicing, dicing, literally everything. Honestly, my go-to knife is a Santoku. On the other end of the spectrum, you have just kind of a traditional chef knife, which is going to have that rounded tip, like I'm sure most of you folks are used to. So that's going to be more of a traditional style chef, whereas a Santoku is going to be a little bit more flat, a little less rounded, and have those little divots in there. The little divots are technically there so that food won't stick, but honestly, food sticks regardless of what you do. It doesn't really do anything in that sense, but I like the feeling of a Santoku better. And there are several stores that you can probably go to to try out a knife before purchasing it. I think William Sonoma, Sur La Table, and probably Bed Bath & Beyond all let you try out the knives or at least hold them in your hand prior to purchasing them. So that might be beneficial if you're looking to invest in a pretty good knife. So in addition to the chef knife and the paring knife, the paring knife you typically just use for small things like cutting an apple or some type of small stone fruit. So in addition to those two, there are going to be bread knives, also known as a serrated knife. This can be used to cut bread. It can also be used to cut a soft tomato, and that works really well, especially if you don't have very sharp knives at home. Another knife that you can have in your bag of tricks is a carving knife. It's just going to be very, very long, usually like 12 or 14 inches long in order to go through like a roast or Christmas ham or turkey. Honestly, if you're not making a ton of roasts at home to serve your entire family or entire city block, you probably don't need a carving knife. But if you do want a full knife set, a carving knife is a great addition. I already mentioned the chef and the santoku. 
Those both come in a variety of different sizes, anywhere from four and a half inches on the small side to as large as 12 or 14 inches on the bigger side. I like to stick with like a seven and a half inch to nine inch chef knife. I think that's a pretty good size and anywhere between like a six and a half inch to an eight and a half inch santoku. Those are kind of my go-tos. Another knife you may want to have is a slicing knife. It's a little bit smaller and thinner than a chef knife. It can be really beneficial if you're carving smaller meats, doing cheeses. It's a nice knife to have handy. Two additional knives if you want a full set would be a fillet knife and this is really helpful if you're taking the skin off a of fish or if you're filleting a piece of meat and you want it very thin. A fillet knife is going to be very very flexible to the point where you can bend the blade. And lastly a boning knife or a cleaver. So a boning knife and a cleaver are two different knives but I think having one or the other can be really beneficial. So a boning knife is going to be the thinnest of all the knives. Flexible but not as flexible as a fillet knife. This is going to be used to go around the bones if you're taking apart a side of beef, for example. So if you're not doing that, I wouldn't necessarily purchase a boning knife, but a cleaver can come in handy, especially if you're breaking apart larger parts of meat. So if you do like purchasing whole chickens and taking them apart at home, a cleaver can be really helpful to get through some of those tougher portions. Or if you're a vegetarian and you love butternut squash and spaghetti squash and acorn squash, but hate cutting it, a cleaver can be very helpful in getting that initial slice down the center. Those are a variety of different kinds of knives, and I will also put up an Instagram TV video showing you the different kinds of knives and just going over and explaining those visually so that you can see them again. So when you do invest in a good set of knives, whether it be two knives or a whole set, you want to make sure that you take care of them. So there's three basic things for knife care. The first is sharpening it. A sharp knife is going to be one of your best tools, and honestly, I don't use very much else other than my knife on a regular basis. At home, the best way to keep your knife sharp is going to be to hone it. I like a hone that has diamonds added to it. This is going to keep it sharper longer and help to keep your knives sharper longer. A hone is usually just a very long metal rod and that's going to help to realign the knife's edge to back to center. You can also have an electric knife sharpener. These are typically reserved for the German knives I was speaking of earlier with kind of the heavier handles. You can also use a non-electric sharpener called a tri-stone. Tri-stones typically use oil to sharpen the knives, and again, they're going to be used for German knives. If you're using an Asian or a Japanese-style knife, you can also sharpen your knives, but this is going to be done on a two-sided water stone. That's going to be the best tool to sharpen your Japanese knife with. Reason being, the metal is a little bit softer, and it responds better to the softer stone rather than the more harsh stone on the tri-stone. Second in care for your knives, you want to clean it. After you use it, rinse your knives immediately. Don't leave them in the sink for an extended period of time. You always want to hand wash them with warm soapy water, preferably with the blade pointed away. So I typically use a sponge and use the sponge on the not blade side to, to wipe off any of the excess food that may be stuck to it. And then immediately you want to dry your knife with a cloth. Lastly, you want to store your knife in a dry place where the blades will not scuff on each other. So ideally you do not want to put these in a drawer stacked on top of each other. I prefer to use either a block or a magnet. We actually have a magnetic holder that just sits on the counter and that works really well because they're easily accessible. So now that we have some knife basics down, we are going to talk about how to hold a knife to make slicing and dicing easier.
So first off, if you're not in a car, if you're not driving, if you are at home, go into your kitchen and do this with me. So you wanna pick up your knife in your dominant hand, approach the grip as if you're shaking someone's hand. So firm, not too firm, but hold the knife as if you're about to shake someone's hand. Pinch the base of the blade where the handle meets the back of the knife at the bolster, like we were talking about earlier. Grab the top of the blade between your thumb and your index finger. So these two fingers should be positioned at the point where the blade connects to the handle, again, the bolster. This grip is gonna offer more accuracy and control while you're cutting. And this is more of a chef tactic, but I find that when home cooks learn to do this, they love it. While your pointer and thumb are on the top of the blade, bend your middle finger just behind the bolster of the knife. It should curl all the way around the top of the knife handle. Wrap those remaining fingers gently around the handle of the knife while bending them all the way around the knife without gripping the handle too tightly. Make sure to keep everything loose. Your grip should just remain firm enough to hold the knife. You wanna use as little force as possible to accomplish the task while you're cutting. So if you can imagine this, you have a very casual but also very assertive handshake with your knife. And this is gonna be key to making slicing and dicing so much easier and give you the control that you need so that you can slice and dice with ease. So if you wanna take the next step and you actually wanna practice some slicing and some dicing right now, use this following technique. So with your non-dominant hand, you wanna place the food that you wanna slice or dice on top of your cutting board and hold it with your fingertips in a claw-like hand. So your fingertips should not be on top of the food, they should kind of be tucked under. The food should also be held in a stable position. Ideally, you should place it on the cutting board with the flat side down. And if it doesn't have a flat side like a carrot, perhaps you should cut a piece of the carrot off to make it flat so it's not rolling around. Guide the knife with your knuckles. As you cut with the knife, try to guide the blade with the knuckles of your non-dominant hand. Bring the blade down to the food and hold it at that level for the entire cutting process. So going back to the carrot example, if you are cutting a carrot, you don't need to bring the knife back up two or three inches to take the next cut. You can kind of keep it down and use the rocking shape and motion that the knife provides you to make those slices and dices a little bit more easily. So remember in the beginning I mentioned that the chef knife has more of a rounded tip. Use that tip and cut with the back of the knife and that's gonna give you an easier time when you're cutting. Same with the Santoku. The Santoku has slightly less of a curve at the tip of the knife, but it'll also provide you with that rocking motion. And that's gonna be really important to making your cutting smooth, easy, and effortless. So before you actually begin the cut, lightly press the knuckles of your index and middle finger to the smooth flat side of the blade. We don't want our hands to be cut at this point, but if you just put the smooth flat side of the blade right up against your non-knife hand, this is gonna give you some really good guidance while you're slicing. So while you're cutting, to continue making slices, you wanna gradually ease your entire non-knife hand back as you move the knife along the length of the food. Your knuckles should stay in contact with the blade the entire time. This is gonna give you balance for your knife. This is also gonna help you determine how large you're making these slices by how much you move your hand back. Once you master this, and do it slowly, you don't have to do it super quick like the chefs on TV, do this nice and slow. And once you master this rocking motion of going back and forth and trusting your non-knife hand and the knuckles on that side, slicing and dicing is going to become a breeze. For additional questions on this, please feel free to reach out. I'm also gonna post, like I mentioned earlier, an Instagram TV video on this, and I'm gonna show you guys how to cut an onion super easy rather than having to do the 
slice in half, go sideways on it, make the little slits on top, there's a way easier way to dice an onion that's going to make your lives so much easier. Three main takeaways. Make a small investment in knives if you find yourself cooking at home more often than not. Hold the knife with your pointer and thumb just over the bolster and the rest of your hand gently around the handle. Use your knuckles to guide the knife while you're slicing and dicing foods. Thanks for listening. Reach out via email at cbrunettiwellness at gmail.com to leave comments, tell me about show topics you'd like to hear, or just to say hi. Check out Wellness Cucina's Instagram at chef underscore rdn for cooking tips, recipes, and IGTV videos that relate to the podcasts. If you're interested in learning more about how you and your family can build stronger bonds while gaining kitchen confidence, schedule a complimentary call. Link is in the show notes. Tune in this Friday when I'll be interviewing a friend and fellow millennial about the struggles she faces in the kitchen and what some of her go-to meals are. 